Welcome everyone back to the Socially Distanced Close-Ups Israel Edition podcast series. I am your host, Rachel Alexander, and today I'm joined with Amos, the Executive Vice President of Tellurian, a Houston-based energy company. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. For those listening to the podcast, Amos is an energy executive and former diplomat with national security expertise spanning the globe and a track record of success in critical negotiations in both the public and private sectors. He was the special envoy for international energy affairs at the U.S. Department of State during the Obama administration and was known for his entrepreneurial approach. His impressive list of political experiences also includes serving as the policy advisor for multiple senators and policy director for the U.S. Representatives Committee of Foreign Affairs. I chose to interview him since I was so fascinated by his bio and wanted to hear about his political expertise. So hello, we're happy to have you and I'd love to get started. Great, it's good to be here. Please share with me your brief story of how you got to where you are today. So the truth is that a lot of it was by accident and luck. But one of the things I learned early on as a kid, fascinated with sports and with basketball in particular, that I listened to an interview once with Michael Jordan, who said that a lot of his greatest moments were lucky shots. But it's funny how the people who work the hardest end up with the most luck. And that's something that has always stayed with me, that despite the fact that there was no real master plan for my career, and I got a lot of lucky breaks, I do have to recognize that it was based also on, there was some direction there. So I I was, as a kid, I was always involved in foreign policy. I was interested in foreign policy. I wasn't involved. And both living in the U.S. and living in Israel, I got involved politically. I used to go to these, I grew up modern Orthodox. And when we were in Israel, I was involved in these organizations that were religious leftist kind of organizations that were using our core values as modern Orthodox to also support a rights Palestinians and minorities in Israel and the same in the United States. So, but I was truly curious about world affairs. I was always interested in what's happening in other cultures and the more remote, the better for me at the time. So I got a internship fellowship very early with a congressman through some people I knew and it took me a while. I got a lot of rejection letters, but ultimately got a fellowship with a congressman by the name of Sam Gadenson, who was a congressman, a longtime congressman from Connecticut, who was the number two on the Foreign Affairs Committee. And I worked in his personal office. And despite the fact that that was probably the beginning of my career, it was the most important part of my career. I learned an enormous amount. He never tried to be a mentor, but I actually, there were so many little things about his attitude towards leadership staff, junior staff, and just the whole approach and not taking himself too seriously that I learned so much from. And to this day, I think back that whenever I'm in these moments, I think there were so many of those teaching moments that I rely on today actually came from that experience those few years, 25 years ago. So I worked on for him. And again, a little bit of dumb luck where some people who had worked for him for a very long time in the Foreign Affairs Committee had decided to leave and spots opened up. And I think one of the most seminal moments was he called me into his office and he said a certain person was leaving. He was the staff director of a subcommittee on trade. And he had been in working on Capitol Hill, that person for probably 20 years. And he said, there are a lot of people who want that job. I'll give it to you, but I'll give you a choice. You can take the job, but it's really big on you. You're only 24 years old, 25 years old. If you mess it up, I have to fire you because it's important. Or you can stay in my office, keep the job that you have as a legislative assistant and grow and you have job security. 
And so you have to make that choice. You're taking a risk. And I didn't wait more than three seconds. And I said, I'll take the risk. I wanted to work on the committee and I'll work day and night. Now it was a lot harder than I thought. How hard could it be? Of course, I was 24 and I thought I can do anything. It was a lot harder than I thought, a lot more detail oriented, detailed work than I had expected. But, and I was working very late nights to just figure out what was going on and not letting on that I didn't know what was going on. But that one decision probably set the course of the rest of my career. And so that's how I got started. I think it's interesting that that risk set you on track first. Our next question is, can you name a teaching moment for you, whether that was a mistake or some failure that made you reassess? So I just told you about one, which has always satisfied me or has guided me of taking the risk. I think I made a couple of mistakes in my career path that I regretted for a very long time. And one was when the congressman I just told you about, after a few years, he had lost his reelection. And he had lost his reelection after serving 20 years. And it was just at the moment that I was supposed to be promoted to the staff. I was the policy director of the committee and I was supposed to take over as the policy, as the staff director, as the overall staff director of the whole foreign affairs. And it was supposed to be a big moment. And instead it went from being the biggest moment to being the worst moment. And I was obviously about to be out of a job. And I took a position that I was offered in the private sector of something that I did not believe in, didn't really want to do, but it was going to offer me financial security and it was going to be a job. I needed a job. And it was the highest paying job that I was offered. And it was significantly higher paying than anything else I was offered at the time. And I took it. I stayed there for four or five years. I wish I never had. It led to a lot of consternation for me, but I learned from it. One of the guiding principles I've always had, and I know you'll ask, you'll probably ask me this at some point in this interview about a guiding principle, but do what you believe in. And not only did I choose a job that I did not believe in, it forced me to then do things in the job that I didn't believe in. And I think that that's something that I've never stopped regretting. And I'm someone who doesn't live in regret. I have no regrets. Everything that happens either happens for a reason or becomes part of the path. But that has been a mistake that I learned a lot from. If you do something you don't believe in, and if you support people you don't really like, you end up regretting it. It's something that you will not be, not only will you not feel good about it, but it may lead you down a bad path. So I definitely think that that was my big teaching moment that I tried to avoid in future crossroads that I've been on. I think that's something you can, hope you're not too hard on yourself because I think that's something you can only realize <laughs> if, like through going through something and realizing like, whoa, this is not what I'm passionate about or, or this is why people. Yeah, it's walking into a mistake knowing you're walking into a mistake and then yeah. taking four years to fix it. I've been trying to get professional advice from people around my life recently and a lot of them have been saying something similar just to follow what like energizes me which I think is that concept is definitely sticking with me. I'll tell you, in politics, people choose winners. They're always looking to choose, be on the winning team. And I remember that same congressman told me once, I was my one of my first year on Capitol Hill, he said, never pick a winner. Never pick somebody who's going to win. Pick the person you really like. If you pick a winner and you don't like them and they lose, then not only did you waste your time with someone who lost, you wasted your time on somebody you don't even believe in. But if you pick someone you believe in, a leader you believe in, and you support their campaign and their issues, win or lose, you feel good. Win or lose, everybody around you knows that you did the right thing. And that's an advice that I took to heart, and I've always been there, and including 
when people said to me, how can you still be supporting Joe Biden uh, when he was down in the dumps and everybody was saying, writing his obituaries? I said, look, he's a man I've known personally, I've worked with, I've spent thousands of hours with. He's one of the most decent human beings I've ever worked for. I don't care if he wins or loses. I'll always work for him because I just believe in him and I like him. And you just, and I've done that on a number of cases where it didn't turn out as well and people lost, but I always felt good about choosing. And I think the same thing with jobs. You pick what your energizes you, what you believe in. If you go into politics, people, but even in corporations and in organizations and in nonprofits, it's not just the job, it's the people you work for. And if you don't believe in the people running the organization or the company, don't work for them. What is one core value that guides your life? The core principle is to do things I believe in. And sometimes what I believe in is popular and sometimes it's not. And sometimes it takes explaining and your friends look at you a little bit sideways. But overall, that's been the guiding principle. And that's both professionally and personally. Do the things you believe in and have a set core of values that you don't stray from. And that's guided my life in philanthropy and charity and professional and politics and corporations. I don't do business with people that I don't match my values. I won't support I won't support my company doing that. And if you get to that fork in the road, a temporary loss is fine. It'll lead to a bigger gain later. Do you think the values that you now use to guide your decision making, are those the same that you've used for the past 20 years? Is that something that has evolved as you evolve? I think mostly remarkably, most of them have been consistent. And I would say a lot of them come from my upbringing. And I think my Jewish values and keeping my Jewish values and my humanist values in concert and working together, I think have guided me throughout. And I find them to be, that core has guided me through. And what I think is remarkable is how applicable those values are as guiding paths, regardless of the path that I'm on, whether it's a professional, a personal, or a philanthropic one. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? I think that the probably it has been to, what I told you before, is stick to principles and people that enable you to stay true to who you are and what you are. Look, people, when I left government and I went into the private sector, and no longer really had a connection to government and was really working in the private sector, people told me this is going to be the biggest change in your life. And I never experienced the change because whether you're in a political organization, government, a company, a for-profit, a not-for-profit, you work with, for, and above people. And human nature, regardless of where you are, is human nature. So as you go look for your first job, your second job, your, the next career path, you're dealing with human beings. Your boss is a human being, the people you manage are human beings, and your colleagues are human beings, and they're the same, whether you're in politics, whether you're in private sector, whether you're in entertainment and communications, whatever it is, you're dealing with people. And one of the things that I, actually Joe Biden told me once, often, many times, don't assume to know people's motivations. If they tell you, that's one thing, but don't assume their motivations. Judge them by their actions, not their motivations. You, you can't know. That sounds like such an easy piece of advice. It is so hard because you always assume motivations. That's your knee-jerk reaction as people. But uh, that's been a good piece of advice in business. When I sit across the table negotiating a contract or a transaction or a deal with people, whether it's in the Middle East or in Asia or in Europe, don't assume their motivations. Definitely hard to do, but definitely important. 
it's <laughs> wild that I'm in an interview where you're casually quoting Joe Biden <laughs> and all your experiences with him, but that <laughs> sounds like a really good quote. Last question is, if a college student or young professional were moving to Israel, what would be your advice to them? So that's a hard question. Look, if you're moving to Israel, for most people, for most Jewish Americans who move to Israel, the most important part of a successful integration into Israel are two things. One is the support network, the support system. Many of us have family and friends that we have there. So when you move to Israel is relying on that network of support because it's it's not, there's this view from afar of how easy everything is. Oh, it's, it's all great there. There's a lot of great things there. There are a lot of difficulties there. When you're looking for a job and you want to integrate into the country and you want to move there and be and be there permanently, learn the language. Don't get sucked into a Anglo immigrant community. And even if you do, try to make sure that you build a social network that, is, that includes people who are natives. Otherwise, you perpetuate your migrant status. And while everybody, a lot of the people are Jewish and there's that common denominator, there is that split of you belong, but you didn't grow up there. You're not local. So having that network of friends and colleagues that are native versus recent migrants from English-speaking countries, I think is critical to a successful migration. And then when it comes to getting a job and looking for things, it's exactly the same as in the United States. You have to rely on your contacts on the people that you know and support you. And in Hebrew, there's a word, potektia, which really means using your connections. And sometimes we feel awkward about it. I want to get it on my own. It's this, this urge of, I want to get the job because of me. Nobody hires you because of somebody else. They only hire you because of you. But if somebody opens the door for you, you're not cheating. You still have to walk through that door and show them who the true you is and so that they hire you. So Israel is no different. And if you come to an interview and a job in America, or you're trying to get a job in Israel, it's the same. I myself felt very guilty for a long time about not wanting to use my relationships until I understand nobody's going to hire me because of who my cousin is or who my friend is. But they may not have given me a shot. And getting the shot and then getting in the room, you still have to be you and you still have yeah. to win the job. And if you get it, it is because of you. And look, I had an accidental beginning to my career I had an accidental move to the State Department. I had an accidental chance meeting with the vice president. He liked the issues I was working on. And from that point on, I was traveling with him throughout the world. These were all accidents. But I met with the vice president the first time to brief him on an issue because someone who worked for him asked me to come and put me in the room. I could say that I owe that person everything, and I do. But at the same time, I had to walk in the room and do the work and create the relationship. So I think at the end of the day, you got to put yourself in these positions that will allow you to be successful and to show what you can do. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom with Career Up Now, Social Distance Close-Up Podcast. I really enjoyed and hearing about how value-based you are. I really respect that. And I increasingly looking to see who in my life is basing their life choices on values, because I think that's something I want to try hard to replicate. So I've really enjoyed hearing about how much your values have, have guided you. It was fun to do the interview. Thank you for asking me. I wish you the best in the future. Thank you.